coming up next on the Aztec Breakdown podcast, you have the three amigos back to talk a little Aztec hoops. Hosting today, you'll have me, Austin Bolton, my wife, Carly House Bolton, and the Aztec Breakdown podfather himself, Trone. Apologies, uh, we have not been able to record as much lately. That pesky thing called life was getting in the way. With Carly and I's move back to SD, some work travel, um, it's just been hard to record. And then Trone has just been churning out uh, articles for East Village Times. So even when we haven't been recording, Aztec Breakdown has been super active, Trone specifically, with East Village Times. So a plug for that. Aztec Breakdown is always uh, going to show up there for those game previews. Uh, but we are back today, and we're going to do a little bit different of a format because we've we've missed a couple games. So we're going to do the good, the bad, and the ugly, covering the last three games, and then look at the Mountain West standings, and then uh, look forward a little bit to Colorado State. But first, don't forget to rate, like, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to follow Trone and the show at Aztec Breakdown. You can follow me at It's Austin Bolton. You can follow Carly at Car Car McGee, Jacob at Aztec Analytics, and Kyle at Call Me Kinslow. So glad to be back. We're going to get much better and be on a much regular um, cadence like we were last year with our normal recaps. But yeah, something a little different. But let's get after it. Shepard was asking for it for three. Well, he felt it, didn't he? He was begging. Oh, what a play by Matt Mitchell. To Watson. Sees a lane. Takes it underneath. Montana three. This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. All right, Aztec Nation. We are back. We're working the three-person weave in this latest episode of the Aztec Breakdown podcast. We got... Trone and Carly. Trone, how you doing today, man? We're doing okay. We're doing okay, Austin. The Aztecs have won the games that they absolutely had to win. And so that's that's where we're at. They haven't won. Like, the one game we're going to talk about that they lost wasn't a must-win necessarily, but it was pretty darn close. But they've won the ones they had to win, so that's that's how we're doing. Yeah, Carly, how are how, how you doing this Sunday morning? Hanging in there. I was trying to get caught up on all my Aztec action. I got to take in the Air Force game from uh, lovely Detroit, Michigan. And, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a fast and furious stretch with some highs and lows. And what I might have said potting after Air Force, I might reiter- or change a little bit now sure. after seeing them uh, against Nevada. So lots to take in. All right. Well, as I mentioned in the intro, we're going to – because life has gotten in the way a little bit, and that's okay. It happens. Um we're going to kind of breeze through these games. We're going to go categorize the good, the bad, and the ugly, and then we'll kind of look then we'll kind of look ahead at just some macro things with the Aztecs and then maybe just dabble on the game um, against Colorado State on Tuesday. So, let's start with the good. That was the game against Utah State, which was on February Saturday, February 3rd. The Aztecs won 81-67. Trone, we'll start with you. What, what was, you know, after a little measured time, what was your reaction to, well, let's do both the Utah State win and then the Air Force win right after. Yeah, I, uh, so the Utah State one was the one where they switched the starting lineup. They, they pulled out Micah Parrish and Elijah Saunders and they put in Darian Trammell and 
Jay Powell. And after that game, that was the one Jay Powell went off. He had 16 points on, on what is this, five shots? Too many Christmas. 16 points on five shots. He had seven rebounds, only one turnover, a couple blocks, right? He had just a monster game. Um, and it was, I remember, because it was before the game, you and I had recorded Austin and talked about, like, would we put Powell in the starting lineup and what might it look like and all that stuff. Um, and Powell looked fantastic. And he very much in that game looked like a better compliment to Jaden Ledee, um, primarily, in, in my view, primarily because he's such a good cutter off the ball. And so that was my takeaway on that one. And and I kind of realized that my hesitance to switch in Pal was because he hadn't been playing the way I had seen him play before. And then in that game, he, he did play like the way he had played it at previous programs. And in that game, he did play the way. And I was like, that's fantastic. If he's doing that every game, he's going to be such a great compliment to, to Jaden down low. Since then, I don't think he's had fantastic games. Uh, and he is back out of the starting lineup. I think the Air Force one was just because he couldn't travel with the team. Uh, and then Micah Parrish had a good game against Air Force. So I think the team is still kind of figuring out what they're like, ultimately what they're trying to accomplish and what this new identity is going to be. Uh, but it's a lot better to do that after wins than losses. And Utah State and Air Force were, were both wins. And so it worked out pretty well. All right, Carly, what are you taking away from the good, those, those two good games that the Aztecs had? Well, I think Trent touched on a little bit. Like, we saw, you know, Jay Powell rise a little bit more to his potential. And, you know, to be able to see some of that consistently would be great. Uh, I think also we saw some bounce back uh, from Reese. But, again, like, we need more consistency there. Uh, Somebody posted something yesterday that I noticed about Matt Bradley, you know, averaging something like 12 points a game last season and Reese needing to plug into that that piece. And I think right now he's hovering around, like, nine points a game. Um and so to be able to get him to just even move the needle a little bit, which I, th- I think he's, you know, he's found a shot that, that hurt us a bit in the game we'll talk about later, but seeing some more consistency from those guys and then when we're firing at our full potential, like, wow, that that's my biggest thing. The good from air force was like, when all cylinders are firing, we are really good. Yeah. That's a great point. I mean, the Utah state game was kind of shock and awe. Like we were, everybody was so surprised that they actually pulled the trigger on it, right? On and the starting lineup. On change. the starting lineup change, yeah. and it worked beautifully, and that it, you know it felt like it re-energized the team, and then against Air Force, that's kind of the ceiling, right? And that's what we talked about at the beginning of the year. What we all thought the starting lineup was going to be. I think we kind of all mentioned that online too. Is like, okay, we thought this was going to be kind of the four guard, Jaden Ladee starters. And they smashed against Air Force. So I think what the surprising part is, is when we go into the bad, which is this this last loss against Nevada at Nevada, is that it was surprising to see for a team that generally ascends out of January into February to have that usual ascension to then kind of fall on their face a little bit up in Reno Friday night. Sean, how you what? How are you feeling after the after the loss against Nevada Friday? And have you calmed down? I, if you are or cooled off, if if you were if you were fired up, 
Yeah, no, I wasn't. I wasn't fired up at all. I think the whole game, and it might have just been like a defense mechanism on my part, but pretty much the whole game, you know, the Aztecs would score, Nevada would score right back, and I was just like standing in in my living room, being like, "This is just what it's gonna be." actually and like the Aztecs aren't gonna win this one and it's it doesn't have to be the end of the world I don't have to let it be the end of the world and that's like what my inner monologue was during that game so I wasn't terribly fired up I just I just think that the game highlighted what the deficiencies of the team are and the deficiencies are there every game and usually more often than not, despite those deficiencies, the Aztecs can pull out a win. Um, and just in the Nevada game, it, it wasn't enough on the road. Uh, Nevada, I was very impressed with Nevada. Um, the part that, that I was fired up about was, like, reading other people's reactions on social media. I might need to just, like, not be on social media after losses for a little bit because people say some stuff. Um, but I was impressed with Nevada and the way they played and that they similarly didn't bring their a game at least offensively um and they and they found a way to win and it's kind of what both teams were trying to do and just nevada got basically one extra bounce to go their way and that was and that was the difference i didn't think um it was a lack of effort on the aztecs part um some not great execution definitely at times um but yeah, Nevada just just made one more play. It's it's the old coaching cliche, and I very often don't like the coaching cliches. But in that case, I think it it holds up. Carly, what's your what's your take on the Nevada game? The bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with Trone in a lot of ways. Like we weren't picked to win this game. It's not a bad loss. Um, I think the thing that rattled people the most is it was like so within our grasp like it wasn't like we got beat by 10 or 12 it was Mm -hmm. you know down to the wire and I think sometimes that stings a little worse um you know but this is the type of game that I think helps us learn and grow and what matters is how we play in Vegas in March and in the NCAA tournament and so these tough games will hopefully pay off in that way and and let's be real Nevada's chance at a shot outside of a run in the Mountain West Conference tournament in getting in the NCAA tournament was on the line that night. Yeah. So to see some heart and some extra grit from the Wolfpack was not that surprising to me. And yeah, I, I was shocked by how pissed off people were uh, about the loss because I thought it was a hard fought game and, you know, could have easily swung in our favor with just a couple of like tiny tweaks. Yeah. This was a good old fashioned Mountain West rock fight. We've seen him a hundred times, right? As Aztec fans that have been following this part, like this, this was a classic Mountain West game. And, you know, I, you know, I echo what you guys, I mean, I was so, so, I was so surprised, like the vitriol, because I expected it to be a rock fight. It was a rock fight. If we hit a couple more, you know, the refing was fine. Like it was even the fouls were, I mean, there were 52. The problem was that there was 52 fouls in this game. That was more of a problem than the the unbalance of any calls because the calls worked out. We had a ton of free throws. Nevada missed a bunch of free throws, which really, you know, could have bit them. It was funny. We were talking, we were watching the game. It's like, man, if Nevada loses this, their message boards about their free throw shooting are probably going to be on fire because that's exactly how it would have been for the Aztecs with some of the stuff that, that allowed them to come up short in this game. But I must say like Blackshear, I had, I admire his game. He's super old school. He's just, he plays hard. He's a, just a freaking awesome player. 
Um, and then Vil- Lucas is great at being the bad guy, and he's a great shooter. And, you know, I think it just goes to how tough this conference is and just everything about it. And Nevada was more desperate. They were in a much harder position from a net perspective. And I think the level of this is our Super Bowl this year, that that's always been relatively the case, especially the last five or six years. But, like, this year has really – that's really stepped it up. But I, I still wasn't that surprised coming out of the game. And, you know, even knowing the Aztecs are not doing great against the upper tier on the road – the beauty of the of of the conference tournament and in the NCAA is, is those are neutrals and we're three and zero on neutrals and we'll have plenty of scar tissue to kind of back up, you know, hard hard situations and I think that will that will uh, they'll that'll lead them to some success. Yeah, it's funny. I think Jeff Grammer's tracking the Mountain West sellouts this year and he's got like a little ranking thing going on. But I like keep wanting to like at him and say, can we have an asterisk that all the other schools sellouts are the games they're playing against San Diego State? Because it's true. I mean, it's always that way and we can't use it as an excuse, but it's it's the reality that coaches talk about it. Uh, It's why Viejas is such a a powerhouse place for us. and other schools are finally tapping into that as like part of the part of the game. When these are the mega Super Bowls for these other schools, and they're these teams are extra good this year, it just kind of is leading to the road problems that we're having. The talent level in Mount West is crazy right now, and but the glimmer, and I don't know if we'll talk about this later or at some future. There's a lot of really good young guys in the Mount West right yeah. now, so this could be this could be the vibe for the next couple of years. I thought I thought the on the refing. I, Austin, also thought the game was, was refed well overall, but I thought it was ironic that uh, on one specific call, Jaden Ledee got fouled, and it was right before Elijah sunk a three from, like, the slot, I think it was, yep. and and made it, but the shot didn't count because the foul happened first, and so Jaden went to the line, and I think he only went one of two, and so the Aztecs lost two points in that transaction because the foul was called, and I was like, it's kind of ironic that... After all the times Aztec fans wanted these fouls to get called, now it does get called and actually cost the Aztecs two points in that specific scenario. And in a game that's that close, that yeah, could that have been, been the difference. difference I mean, in regulation. Yeah, really, really every play when the game is that close could have been the difference. So, like, it's not, you know, I'm not trying to make a big deal out of it, but I thought it was ironic and it, it made me chuckle a little bit. Yeah, the, the refing. There's been some rough games. I actually don't think it's been as bad as it's been in recent years. I think it's been, you know, the home cooking is there, but I think overall it's been better. So. I think the, the level of physicality that I've observed across the Mountain West has, like, ratcheted up. And so you can imagine they're trying to keep control of the games, et cetera. But I definitely don't enjoy watching the, oh, it's like, brutal. the like oh my ready God. whistle basketball, like, that game was a, that game was Ugh, it just slows ho- it down. Horrible watch. Like from a like if you were just like a rando watching that game, you'd be like, right. "This is trash," and like I'm changing the channel. <laughs> like very, this very is a, it was a free throw shooting contest. Yeah. All right, let's get to the ugly, and the ugly is actually beautiful on the side of the beholder. If you're if you're Gloria Nevarez, because the Mountain West standings are jammed, so I just wanted to go through kind of a conference overview. And and we can kind of talk about that a little bit. So Utah State is in alone in first at eight and three. Colorado State, New Mexico, the Aztecs, and Boise are all at seven and four. Then you have Nevada and UNLV at six and four, and then Wyoming, Fresno, Air Force, San Jose State. 
So just so clumped at the top, the Aztecs did get some help. And in terms of at least sharing the conference title, the Aztecs actually control their own destiny because they play they play at Utah State, they play Colorado State at New Mexico next week, and then they got Boise for the last game of the season. So they play everybody that's either tied for second or in first place. But man, talk about a gauntlet. Tron, what's your when you when you look at the standings, what's kind of your first thought about the Mountain West the Mountain West table? I think it's it's like Carly said, it's just a stacked conference. Um I think my first goal as a fan every year coming in is winning the regular season title. And I don't think, in terms of sole possession, I think the Aztecs have to run the table to to have a shot at that. Um, and I don't know that I think they will run the table. I think that game at Utah State especially is going to be uh, very, very difficult. And then, even then, even if they do run the table... Uh, Utah State could also stay up there and also get get a share of the conference. Um, so winning that sole title is does does not seem to be super likely. It's the chances aren't zero, but they seem very close. Uh, shared title, like you said, they're in control of their own destiny. It's it's definitely a a possibility. I just uh, four, fourteen and four was, I think, the goal for a sole title, and it also happened to be my preseason prediction. And they have lost four games. Uh, all the other teams that are tied in second place with them, that they that they play again, they play at home. So that's encouraging. It's just Utah State is the one tough road game left. And so that's, um, you know, circle that one. I mean, really circle all of them. They're all going to be tough games even at home. But Utah State, assuming they can win these next two at home, Utah State is going to be crucial for those hopes whether it's a shared or a sole championship carly what's your thoughts on the on the mountain west table here yeah i mean it, it's interesting because i think early in the season we thought there'd be a little more separation between like the top four and everybody mm-hmm. else but that mm-hmm. like unlv nevada bubble in our own conference is so pesky. I mean, we saw UNLV steal one from New Mexico Saturday night um, at the pit. So that's like, yeah, um, you know, and Nevada could have, you know, could have been a game that could have helped us out quite a bit. So we always beat up on each other. And I think it's more consequential this year. I mean, frankly, yeah, of course, Utah State circled on my calendar, but that at UNLV game is circled on my calendar, too. It's the second to last game of the season. Us on the road, you know, yes, as Kyle will attest, you know, we tend to have a really good record against them and kind of have their number. But this is a different team. And, you know, they have the ability to be really good and really tough. And, uh, you know, we saw their freshman garden action at Viejas. Uh, yes, we ended up coming out on top there. But that game to me is also another one where depending on how things shake out over the next two weeks, like they could be jockeying for something interesting, you know, not necessarily like a bit to the NCAAs, but we're thinking about now even seeding in the Mountain West Conference Tournament, uh, which could matter big time for some of us. Somebody's going to get play is going to have four games in four days. And one of these good teams. One of these really good yeah. teams. I mean, right now it's Nevada, but there's a case it could be New Mexico because New Mexico has uh, the hardest strength of schedule um, for their opponents um, to go. They are at Nevada on Tuesday. Then they're at the Aztecs next Friday. Then they get Colorado State at home. 
and then they have Boise on the road, and they end the season at Utah State. Who? That's five. That that could be five losses. That I mean, even if they go two and three in that stretch, that drops them probably into the into the four into the four games in four days right there. Like they got to probably go. Hope they got kind of go four and one in that stretch to stay in that top five, and New Mexico could kind of play themselves out of the tournament if you know with all these crazy road games. Yeah, I think so. One of the Lobo fans on on Twitter was saying like this week they play at Nevada at San Diego State. I think it's Tuesday Friday. Like that's a tough turnaround, uh, mm-hmm. and that they feel like this is a must must win one of those games kind of scenario. Yeah. So. Let's not let it be us. <laughs> I think I think Nevada coming off the win against us like could be a tough test for them, and maybe they'll um, take it's, care of it. It's either Nevada lets their hair down a little bit because they won uh, at Utah true. State, and then they won at the Ast, and then they beat the Aztecs, or are they just are they just peaking at the right time right now, and they're about to just go on an absolute right. tear? You right. you could make the argument easily for both of them, but like <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean they're playing they're playing good ball. Steve Alford's got them playing good. Any last thoughts on the conference or anything like that, Trone? I think it's just fun to have to have a lot of teams. I think getting in those finishing in the top five is crucial for the conference tournament. I I don't think if we were able to live for a thousand years and play out this same tournament format every year for those thousand years, I don't think ever any team outside the top five would win the tournament. And so getting in that top five is crucial if you want any chance at winning the tournament. And it's also nice um, in the sense of just tournament seeding um, because at this point, like on these neutral floors, any of these games is going to be a resume builder as well for that. And if, if when the conference is this good, as we look ahead to, to the big dance, winning the conference tournament or even just making it to the championship game could like has the potential to bump up the Aztecs a seed line or I mean I don't think it would be too maybe if they won the championship and somebody else kind of fell at the end but like potentially it's not entirely out of the question to bump them up even two seed lines potentially so um in terms of the big say, dance, it's, it's huge there too this is what it feels like to be a power conference because <laughs> we're talking seed you know, lines and, 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 and not just that is like somebody from this conference is going to make the big dance with a record where if you're a huge ACC Duke fan, you see the Mountain West team that goes, whatever it is, 11 and 7 in conference. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the type of thing that happens in the Big 12 when you're a couple games over 500 and they get in. That is not historically how it's been for the Mountain West. And somebody's going to get in with like six or seven losses in conference and they're absolutely going to deserve it because this conference has been unbelievable this year. And, you know, I think that's just great. I mean, just, just, you know, with everything that happened with conference realignment, which was just a huge bummer, to then kind of have the phoenix rise of the ashes of this conference being the best one on the West Coast in basketball, easily in the last year of the Pac-12, and then any other kind of things that happen, you know, with football going forward. Like, I think that we're actually in the Mountain West is, it's not like a consolation prize. They're, they're actually kind of taking what was given to them, and I think that's been a really nice thing to see for, from a conference perspective. Yeah. All right, Tron. So you did a really interesting thread that I wanted to talk about, and you you did touch on this earlier. Of just like the blueprint is pretty simple to beat the Aztecs, but I wanted to have you give a synopsis of of your view there and just what you've seen, and then and have have a little chat about it. So Tron, I'm going to kick it to you, but just the overall 
game plan teams and the blueprint teams are going to have, you know, coming into the game, any game with the Aztecs going forward. So the floor is yours. Yeah, yeah, and if I mean, I'd love some some pushback on it too because that's ultimately how we how we grow and we learn. So if you have it, I'd love to hear it. I think the game plan that we've more or less seen at the very least versions of it every game for the past for the past few weeks. Nevada tweaked something, a couple things from their first game to their second game. Um but for the most part, it's it's been a lot of the same stuff and the the very basics of it, without getting too much into the X's and O's, are just kind of pack the paint, right? And so you're you're keeping bodies specifically around Jaden Ladee, but you're also trying to close off driving lanes as much as possible. And that was something. If I was I was rewatching the Colorado State game, and there were so many turnovers in the first half that were guys just driving, trying to get by their guy, and somebody else came and, and dug down and stripped the ball. Um, so it's it's making Jaden's life hard and clogging up the driving lanes and encouraging outside shots is, is basically what it is. And on, on defense, you can never stop everything. You have to make a decision as a, as a coach, as a team, you have to make a decision. What are we okay with giving up? And so I think the coaches that are facing the Aztecs pretty much unanimously are saying we are okay with giving up long twos are ideal, but even, three-point shots are fine and we're just going to have to live with the results we're going to make Ladie's life as hard as we can we're going to make it hard for him to catch the ball we're going to double team him right as he catches it uh we're going to double team him from these very specific sides because he struggles um when the double comes from these specific places and and i say struggle and that's like a very generous word for the defense because he still scores you know 15 points every game 20 points every game right so like struggles air quotes, but he struggles in these very specific situations. We'll try and force a couple extra turnovers and we will just live with what happens on the perimeter. And sometimes like the game uh, against air force or the game against Utah state, the Aztecs get hot from outside and they shoot. I think air force was 50% from three. It was ridiculous. Reese waters. I want to say was five of eight. I don't have it pulled up in front of me. Um, They were, they were ridiculous. And so, you know, when that happens, the Aztecs win by double digits. And then against Nevada, despite Nevada shooting, you know, 60% from the free throw line, like you guys mentioned, and Nevada, I think, only shot 23% behind the arc, uh, the Aztecs shot like 15% behind the arc. They, they were 3 of 19, and, and so you just kind of live with it and hope it it comes out your way. And it doesn't mean you never close out on guys, but the closeouts are very uh, short. You close out short, so you're not really closing out to contest the shot as much you're closing out in a way that like you're going at them and you're gonna guard them but you're mostly just trying to make sure they don't blow by you because you're not sure you're trying to keep the paint packed all these different little things and so it's just kind of make life hard in the paint and hope that the Aztecs miss their shots and the Aztecs are good enough that even sometimes when they do miss their shots they can still win these games right they're still 20th in Ken Palm, I think. Yeah, 20th in Ken Palm. They're still a top 50 offense. They're 47th in offense. They're 19th in defense. So they still do enough, generally speaking, to be able to win most of these games. It's just that that's pretty much their one weakness that's that's glaring. They have other things that come up, right? We've talked about rebounding on the show. And we've talked about other things, but those will, you know, they'll have a couple games where they're great at rebounding, and then they'll have one where it kind of, slips arguably also happened um 
against Nevada. Uh, but the shooting is is the big one. And the scary part about it for me is that I don't I don't know of anything at the very least in terms of scheme and X's and O's that can be done to fix that. I think, you know, we saw it against Nevada. The Aztecs were coming off of two games where they shot very well from behind the arc and Nevada still did the same thing of we're going to pack the paint and and make life hard inside and just kind of encourage you to take shots. Um, Like that's, that's the game plan going in and it's just, it's not going to change. And even if the Aztecs come out and hit a couple early, coaches are going to say, keep doing it. I dare you, right? And if you do, great. You know, tip the hat type of, type of deal. Um, so there isn't very much schematically that can be done about it. It's just a matter of, of trying to execute better when you do get the ball inside. And then when you can't, hitting hitting shots is basically all it is. Um, yeah, so adjustments, there isn't much that I know of that, that can be done. That's the That's the gist of it. Carly, reaction? Yeah, I mean, it makes total sense. Um, you know, they're they're daring us to shoot threes. And I think one thing that I saw in the Utah State game and Air Force, I, I don't know if I would qualify it as the same because the level of competition just wasn't there. But, like, right. Jaden has improved at passing the ball out of the paint a little bit, but he has to do it fast. He can't wait until he's, like, fully getting clobbered. Like, So there were a couple of, I think it was in the Utah State game, Maybe it was Air Force. Like, he snapped one out to Miles so fast. I was like, that that's how you're going to get good shots. And that's, I think, part of the problem is when we're not shooting well from three, it's because we're not taking great shots and we're not moving the ball very well to get a good right. shot. And we're, you know, forcing up something. Like, I think Micah, what was it, like a minute left to go in the game, and he took a bad three. And it wasn't necessarily, you know, he had to shoot the ball. Like, the shot clock was was winding down, but moving the ball more efficiently, getting guys better looks is part of the solution, I guess, to that. If we're going to be forced to take threes, like, make sure they're quality. Yeah, I I think the thing here is it's just about the ball finding energy. The ball has got to move around more. I mean, look at the last two possessions of that game. Like, I trust Darian, and he's hit big shots. I, I just don't fundamentally believe in my heart that that's the best thing that we could have done is him taking a step back there. Like it'd be one thing if there was two seconds on the clock and we were like, all right, like we got to kind of generate one, but there was more time than that. So I think, I think that's a little frustrating and the ball is just not moving around. And, you know, Jaden's even said like, he's really having to adjust. Like it's a huge adjustment for him. Like he's admitted that. I mean, he had seven turnovers against Nevada. Like, I don't know if that guy's probably ever had seven turnovers in, in his life before that game. I, you know, a couple of, adjustments that I would maybe look to make is, you know, really, really kind of emphasizing those, those back cuts with, you know, somebody from the weak side, whether it's, whether it's Saunders or Powell or even Parrish, because Parrish played pretty good at the four. I mean, he had 10 rebounds against Nevada. So like he kind of, even when we played small, he did a good job of getting rebounds. But, you know, I think, I think getting, personally, like when Saunders comes in the game, like getting him looks in the corner specifically because that's a, he seems much more comfortable taking shots from the corner than the top of the key, you know, to keep stretching the defense out. I think that's an area that the Aztecs could kind of throw a counter at because there was only that one game where he hit a couple against Utah state in the corner. It's like, all right, like he obviously is comfortable there. You know, for his overall prospects, that's something he probably works on a ton. Um, But they just need to, 
They just need to keep moving the ball around and find some fluidity in the offense. And I think that'll make it easier for Jaden. Sometimes when they're forced, when they're very obviously trying to force it to him, everybody knows they're forcing it to him. They sag way off and it's an impossible to get in any kind of entry pass. And if they just let the fluidity of, of the offense come around, you know, that could, that could loosen it up enough for Jaden to actually get him some easier baskets. But until they, until they make shots, on a consistent basis over a three, four game stretch, they're just going to dare them to shoot. I mean, Micah Parrish was two for 11, one for seven from three. They obviously were go- letting him be wide open and being like, yeah, go for it, bro. Like try your best. Mm-hmm. And he did in that game, you know, and he did the couple games before. So the name of the game, you know, the point of the game is getting the ball in the basket and they just have to do a better job of doing that from the outside to stretch the floor a little bit more. Yeah. Well, and you know, I don't know if Reese is still kind of the new guy and he's, you know, deferring a little bit. Like, he's passed up a bunch of good shots this year that I felt like he should have taken. He's been open a bunch of times and then, you know, like, Lamont's driven to the basket. I'm, like, screaming, like, look at Reese, look at Reese. Like, he, I think, is the magic key. And so as we move into the rest of the season, like, getting him confident getting him shooting in rhythm I think will be the key to us having a successful postseason I think that and getting Lamont shots too where Lamont has been on the wing and has taken some good shots but those two guys are the if when I'm looking at threes it's in order it's Reese Lamont and then Elijah Saunders off the bench stretching the floor in the corner and then and then Darian kind of finding his own as well but you know they they just have to make shots and I just want you know I've mentioned this before I personally think Reese Waters is probably the best NBA prospect on this team because he's learning to play very good defense with the Aztecs. And he's the best shooter. Like, he just he just is the best shooter on this team. And they got to kind of treat him like the NBA prospect that he is. And he's he's passing up a lot of shots. I mean, I guess he did have nine, but I, you know, I still think, I still want him to kind of find his own way a little bit more. Yeah. Well, and, and speaking of Lamont, like, we got to keep him in the game. Like, I'm convinced if he hadn't fouled out, we would have won the Nevada game. And he played 21 minutes of that game. I mean, the foul he took for his fifth foul, though, he shouldn't have been diving on the floor like that. It was such a 50... I'm sure he wishes he could take that one No, for sure. But, like, that's a little bit, like... That's just more of, like... He knew what he did on that one. Like, why is he diving on the floor with four fouls like that into somebody's leg? Or, like, near somebody's legs? That's just begging to get it called. Yeah. Yeah. He's a leader, though. I, th- I see I see him learning from that one. And, yeah, and for sure. Keeping himself on the floor, I think, has got to be a focus for Lamont for the rest of the I mean, the, we, the we, we were talking about this for a lot, and he had a really nice stretch of not getting into foul trouble, and it was his first game in a while. So Yeah, true. I don't know. Any, any extra thoughts there, Tron? Yeah, I, a couple people mentioned as, as one of the, like the pushbacks a little bit, kind of similar to what you guys were saying, would be – one way to potentially tweak it would be getting Ladie the ball closer to the perimeter, whether it's on the wing or the top of the key, rather than with his back to the basket. Um, the tricky part about the weak side cuts when Ladie has his back to the basket is it's so hard to see them, especially since yeah. they're doubling right on the catch. And the way yeah. they're doubling, usually it's a it's a dig double, which means it's it's the defender on the wing just takes a couple steps down and forces you towards the baseline. And so Ladie has to turn that way if he wants to face up, um, and it just it gets him into trouble and it makes it just very difficult to pass, especially to the weak side. The the easier pass would be to just pass it right back to where that defender just left. 
Uh, and Ladie has been so aggressive in trying to score that he spins to face up right away. I don't, I feel like at least in the last few games, he hasn't had a great back to the basket game. Like it, I feel like I'm noticing his game is always about facing up. He'll start back to the basket, but he always like faces up at some point before he takes his shot. Um, and so if, if you let, if you get him the ball in a spot where he's already facing up, then he can see the whole floor and wherever the double comes, if it does come all the way out there on the perimeter, uh, then he can see it better. So that would be, that would be a small thing. Um, it's a lot of just though execution stuff over, over schematic stuff. I, I, I tweeted out this morning about Jaden when he does spin to the baseline, if you're going to spin, you need to be spinning to get by your guy, or you need to be spinning to take like a fadeaway jumper. And oftentimes when he spins, he's not doing either of those. So like he's making this quick decision, but it's like the choice he's made is not anywhere on the multiple choice test that he's being given in that split second. Um, so it doesn't actually, it, it didn't actually help. I think he had two of his seven turnovers were, were those where he kind of spins right away to the baseline, which is good because it's away from the double, but then he's just kind of holding the ball and doesn't create anything out of it. So it's one of the things that Coach Dutcher mentioned early on where like he's a great player and his next step is making everybody else better. And I don't know if he's quite accomplished that yet. Um, and he definitely shows flashes of it. And I think that was that, you know, Carly mentioned it and that was something that he also did really well with Jay Powell was being able to just kind of touch past the ball to Jay Powell on those cuts as well. So more of that would be, would be fantastic. Um, and it's just kind of, yeah, an execution thing and him being able to, see that read, make that read, and, and, and make that pass. So, All right. Tell me how much you hate this. Because okay. when you're talking about Ladie being at the top, it made me think of something the Lakers actually do some of, and they, they, they pull it out when they need to. But it's Jaden at the top, where he's in the, and he gets a screen, and they run a pick and roll with like a Jay Powell or Elijah Saunders. And maybe that frees it up a little bit because, you know, he did – we all talked about how he's grown into being a kind of a bigger guy right. and he, he has the handles. You know, maybe letting him play make from that position at the top and maybe setting him a screen instead of just, you know, getting hammered down low and they call 60% of them. But maybe running kind of that – so on the Lake, what the Lakers do sometimes with Anthony Davis is they'll have him at the top – and LeBron will set him a screen, or one of their shooters will set him a screen, where then Anthony Davis, when he drives, has the gravity to bring both those guys with him. And then the, the shooter, if it's like a, if it's like a Austin Reeves, he'll kick out, and he'll get that, he'll hit him out on the pick and pop there. If they were to do something like that with Reese Waters or like a, a Butler, that would be an interesting wrinkle to try to loosen him up a little bit and just allow him to be more of a playmaker. Hate it, love it, in between. I, what do you, what do you think, on John? paper, I think it sounds great. I I don't think I've seen anything that suggests to me that Jaden would be successful at that. Um, I know I know he he's one of those players like Anthony Davis that had a growth spurt, and so he played a lot of guard when he was younger. Um, and he he obviously has some ball handling skills and and things of that nature. But reading reading the defense off of the pick and roll. As I'm sure, as I'm sure you know, because I know you play a lot of ball, is is a lot different than, you know, just just isolating even and reading the defense off of off of the isolation, and it just takes a lot more more practice and reps. And so, like in theory, 
if you have a big who can handle the ball and you can screen a shooter, that that causes a lot of a lot of different issues because, like you said, if they both go with Jaden, he can kick out to Reese and it's wide open. If they don't, if they try and switch it, now Jaden is matched up against a much smaller player. Like, there's a lot of potential good from it, um, but I don't know that I've seen anything from Jaden to me that suggests he would be good at that. I also don't think the coaches are really going to, like, that's, that feels to me like a pretty big switch in scheme schematically, and I don't think the coaches are going to install something like that this late in the season. Um, I could be wrong on both of those accounts, though. I would be very happy to be wrong on both of those accounts, honestly. So it's, yeah, I, I'm kind of in the middle, but probably closer, like, in practicality, closer to hate it just because I don't know if the skill set is there. Carly, thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I think Trone's right about the conservative nature of our coaching staff. Um, although with the lineup shakeups, that to me also was surprising. And so who knows? Uh, but I, I don't hate the idea of even if it's, you know, once or twice during a game throwing something at these teams that they haven't seen, haven't prepared for. Um, you know, we have gotten a little predictable in what Trone first described, how to beat us. And so... Um, I don't hate the idea of throwing some wrinkles here and there either. All right. Gone through the good, the bad, the ugly. We know what to be nervous about for Colorado State because they ran us off the floor in in, uh, Fort Collins, more or less. The game was probably closer than it really was. So just go around rapid fire. Just give me one key to the game that makes you optimistic. Tron, I'll start with you. And it's not on the rundown, so I'm throwing you a curveball here, but let's hear Right. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. The thing that makes me optimistic is I think this Aztecs team is better than that Colorado State team. And I, I, I think the metrics probably have it. You know, they're within 20 or 30 spots or whatever. I don't think when you account for the matchups, I don't know that I think it's that close. Uh, the Aztecs were down like multiple times by I think 14 or 15 points on the road. And they came back and took the lead at one point in the game. And then, you know, it, it, it took too much to get there and guys had to get a blow at elevation and, and stuff like that. So they ended up losing the lead. Um, but I think this Aztecs team is better. And, and that was the game. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Was that the game that Coach Dutcher, like, snapped the clipboard or whatever out on the sidelines because yeah. he was yelling at everybody? <laughs> I think that was that game, right? Um, and he said, he said after the game, somebody asked him, I don't remember who, somebody asked him about why didn't you call a timeout early in the game when you were down like 12 to 2 or whatever it was. And he said like, well, I had just given them the answers in the pregame, in the warmups. We had just talked about what I wanted them to do and they weren't doing it. So I'm not going to take a timeout to tell them the same thing over again, which is super like the teacher and me really respected that because if you give directions and the student comes up and asks you how to do it, I would just... I already told you. If you weren't listening, that's not on me. Ask somebody else. Um, so, like, and then once they finally started to do that, they caught up. So, I think this Aztecs team ultimately is better. I think uh, if they just start off the game with more intensity. That was the one we talked afterwards about how they just looked very lackadaisical and like they were going through the motions. So, if they come out looking like they intend to, to win this game... And doing it at home in front of the home crowd, I that makes me very optimistic. Yeah. All right, Carly. All right, Carly. 
Give me your, give me your reason for being optimistic. Yeah, I mean, I think the intensity uh, coming after a loss is going to help us. Obviously, I mean the the amount of energy before that Utah State game, Palpable. like that is what we that is what I think we're going to see, and I think that was the difference maker. Um, you know, I agree that I think we're better than this Colorado State team. I think Lamont Isaiah. That is a great matchup, and I fully trust Lamont to to win out there. I think Isaiah Stevens had 20 points in that first matchup. Like He probably could have at least 20 points again, and I still think that we have the more talented group. And uh, I, I think our team knows what's on the line. I think they know what they need to do. And, you know, despite our ups and downs and how we felt about some of the wins and losses, like, they know they have to win at home. So that yeah. makes me feel pretty confident. I mean, the theme of the season across college basketball, not even just the Mountain West, is that the home court is everything this year. And it is, that's everywhere. That's everywhere in college basketball. And the combination of the both things that you said, plus being at home at VA Haas, plus it, I think it's going to be, I think, I think the fans and the, everybody knows that like these next two games, these next three games are the most important stretch of the regular season. I mean, they're all important, but like, Three quad one wins. This is the first of this next mini stretch of games, important quad one games. I think they're going to come out firing. I also think they're the better team. Um, and they just played terrible against Colorado, especially in that you know when they were so lackadaisical in the first half of that game. I think uh, I think Colorado State kind of woke the bear against that. I think that's going to get a little bit of that in this game. So, all right, before we get going, Trone, any last part parting shots before we get going? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I'm, I'm working on the Colorado state preview for, for round two at home right now. So, uh, take a look, uh, for that. Keep, keep an eye out for that. I should say uh, over at East village times. Um, and yeah, other than that, that's, that's my thoughts after the past three games. Carly, last parting shot here. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess my, my call to action would be to the fans to get to that game early. Yeah. Uh, you know, if we want to encourage the Aztecs to have a, a fast start, a strong start, we need to have Viejas full at the beginning of the game. Uh, it's a 6 p.m. game on a Tuesday, so we know how that usually bodes for San Diego. So get off work at 4 if you can. Head up to campus. Definitely. I, I think, uh, you know, we need Viejas rocket on Tuesday. Uh, thank you all for being patient with us as uh, we kind of get life sorted, and uh, we'll be back on a regular schedule here at the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. Follow Trone, read everything he does at East Village Chimes. Check out all the stuff we've done uh, over at the We Believe Network. Subscribe if you can. All the proceeds go towards NIL opportunities. And until next time, this has been another episode of the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. Go Aztecs. On the floor, it's Butler with two seconds. He's got to put it up, and he wins it. He wins it with the jumper. Sitchin's feeling it. Now he's feeling it even more. What it do, Matt Mitchell? Shackle to Flynn for the win. Tramel will coast in for the layup. Franklin 
with two seconds. Forces the shot. It's good. The Aztecs advance. They've won it on the shot by the player of the year. Watch Miller, out. he put it behind his back. It's taken away by Butler. Love it up. Oh. it down. Big finish. Keyshawn Johnson. Now we have tasted it. We're coming back. We're coming back.